Tuesday, a little Ari from uh, First, First Jason, Jason. Yeah. from Friday the 13th doing that intro for us. It was fun meeting him at yeah, that was, Dark History Convention. It was, it was pretty cool, man. It was pretty cool. Checking out his band with the uh, with the keychetti. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the machete with the guitar. Yeah, or as a guitar. It's fucking insane. Uh, he's a great dude. But we're doing that Tuesday thing again. We got a good one to do tonight. Definitely anxious to get to it. So we got Joey Gormonger in here yep. as up, if homie? he's just part of the fucking furniture. But basically, <laughs> since March, yeah, really, much, that's yeah. true. <laughs> Literally, uh, it's nice yeah. to have you uh, have you here with us again, Joey. This should be a good one. Uh, last week was badass. We had a really good one with that Tyler Hadley shit, Chris. Wow, yeah, that kid fucking drugs <laughs> yeah. yeah him and ricky casso would have been a good fucking <laughs> right. wow oh, shit. could you imagine those two as a fucking spree killing combination Jesus oh my Christ, god man but tyler with that hammer smash fucking parents of his uh did some crazy shit uh and it was a brutal one that's for sure we were over 900 uh, listens so far closing in on a thousand to that so that's awesome and we had CK talking about nuclear assault, which was awesome, huh, Joey? Oh, yeah. Definitely old school. Yep. He's been going some old school stuff lately, which is awesome. Uh, we had him on through the rest of the show like we always do. And we and it was his 100th show. Which yeah, his awesome. personal 100th show. Yeah, because yeah. he came in on the fifth episode. So uh, 100th episodes with CK, which was fucking killer. So if you missed it. Go check out episode 105 uh, on uh, Tyler Hadley. Now, this week, we selected a little bit more of a general feature. We've done things different before. You know, instead of one case, Chris, we thought we would just kind of talk about spree killers. Because right, it's kind general. of a cool topic, you know. It's kind of that just wild rampage shit like what the fuck going is going on sites. in your head dude yeah. like what the fuck yeah i mean mass murderers are fucked up but the spree killers just adds a whole new adds the drifter thing in there right. in a way and it can get interesting and of course uh what gave me the idea it was in november when i interviewed dr ramsland uh dr Catherine ramsland she said that she had written a book that was getting ready to come out, and this is already out now, but on spree killers, and I thought, hmm, that might be kind of an interesting topic. You Just know? in general, yeah. Kind of wrote it down in a note somewhere, and I was going through stuff, and I was like, you know what? That would be Let's cool. Th- added it to the list. And, and here we sure are. enough, you know, here months later, it, it becomes a topic. So she was gracious enough to talk to us for about 45 minutes. We talked with her mostly about spree killers. Yeah, a couple of times, but mostly about spree killers and certain spree killers. Some of them are in our 
episode yeah. tonight. So right. Yeah. yeah. So it's really cool. And uh, so she's definitely a, a very, very well-respected person in the field of forensic psychiatry. She's a doctor or a, a college professor, author. She's doing murder house flip and all sorts of Did other you watch shit. That? Uh, Jenny downloaded Quibi, but I haven't watched them yet. No, yeah, I need to because I, I, I want to check it's it pretty out. Pretty badass, dude. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So she's a very interesting person. Um, now uh, we're going to play part of that interview tonight. Uh, I've got it set up in two clips. One's about ten minutes long. One's about uh, fourteen minutes long. Um, and you get to hear us talk with Dr. Ramsland. Now, if you're in that 666 Club, you got you've already interview. got the whole, the whole interview. Yeah, you the can hear thing. the whole 45 minutes with Dr. Ramsland. So that's a good reason to go to our Patreon page and join the 666 Club. And check out that episode description for the link to join today. It's only 3 bucks a month. We'll talk about it more later. But it's some VIP access to the Murder Metal Mayhem podcast. And... It helps pay the bills because there's right. bills to pay here, uh, hosting and different things that we're doing. So we appreciate the help. Upgrade equipment, all that shit that yeah. we need to do to make it sound better, That's make right. it come out better. And, and things like when laptops go When poop, laptops get destroyed. Uh, I got that uh, coming up here. <laughs> now we got a good killer cage match to get to tonight. Uh, yeah. Chris, we got uh, a good one. What do you think of this matchup? Ted Bundy and Timothy McVeigh. It's kind of an interesting fucking That topic. should get pretty wild. <laughs> right. And fucking McVeigh just blowing shit up all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be an interesting one. And Joey, we got some listeners to thank this time around. Yeah. Uh, today, we want to thank Cody Durst, Nikki Judy, and Aaron Stewart for uh, supplying the numbers. Very cool. Yeah, we get those on Facebook. And, man, Cody Durst has been on there a lot, man. Yeah. Just, I wonder if he's related to Fred. I, mean, I don't know. Surely. Or either that or maybe he just legally changed his name because he's such a big Limp Bizkit fan. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe yeah, that's it. Could it. be. So they're going to be fighting to the death with some funny objects that we're going to throw at them uh, in the mayhem segment, Chris. As Fucking always. AI as always. That yeah. bell rings, man. The shit's on. Dun, and tonight, dun, dun. Bundy and McVeigh. <laughs> <laughs> with two good objects and a variable, so it should be fun. Uh, thanks to Tony Campagna, Spellbound Effects and Art.com, just crushing that shit. Chris, I mean, we look at this stuff every week. It's on the table. Um, it's amazing. It's artwork that's made to look like human skin sewn together and shit, lampshade. And it sure the fuck does. And every time I, a new person, I show them a picture of one of them, they're like, oh, what yeah. the fuck, man? That's I know. insane, dude. I know. And if you go on his website, uh, spellboundeffectsandart.com, he's got an awesome online catalog. You can order shit. Sends it out quick. Knows how to ship it, too. It's very secure. Packaged awesome. It's wow. amazing. So Tony is is a great dude and a great artist. He's a sponsor of the show. So go check out Spellbound Effects and Art. Uh, this new dude that just started at work about a couple of weeks ago. He's, yeah. Somebody mentioned to him that we did the podcast and he asked about it. And I told him what it was. He started listening to it and he asked like, "You guys keep mentioning this spike. What the hell is that?" And I was like, "I was doing something. I was like, hold on a minute. I'll show you. Fucking <laughs> finish what I was doing. Pulled it up on my phone and showed it to him and shit. And he's like, dude." That's, That's fucking crazy. awesome, man. I was nice. like, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's badass. That is awesome. Yeah, there's uh, somebody that my daughter knows through her job that saw her last name and said, are you related to Pete? And she's like, yeah, that's my dad. And she's like, well, that's crazy. I just started listening to his podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. So figure the odds on that. Yeah, that's you know? fucking that's crazy. Weird. 
And she <laughs> said she was just stumbling around and found it and started listening to it, was jamming it out, and then apparently had her younger brother with her and was like, ooh, because some of the subject matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so definitely not kid-friendly. But uh, so we had some drama last, or I had some drama last week, actually this past weekend, with the laptop that we use to record the podcast, do all our business. I mean, I'm doing most of it on that. Uh, also, my writing. And thankfully, I had uh, good backups because we Definitely. had some... Uh, something got spilled on it. It was a, a, obviously an accident, but shit happens. And the number keys were all fucked up. And, yeah, it was it was a mess. So I had to get another laptop. And uh, hopefully we'll get that one fixed, too, so we'll have another uh, laptop. But anyway, got this new Beast 17-inch monitor. Nice. Yeah, it's fucking nice. HP. So definitely digging on this one. And so a good uh, example of why that 666 Club helps because yeah, laptops aren't free, <laughs> fuck as no, anybody dude. knows. And, you know, it's uh, any kind of help from the fans, any pocket. kind of support's fucking amazing. Yeah, help we appreciate shit. it. So we got a good one tonight. Definitely a lot on our plate, Chris. We got maniacs with a fucking axe to grind, roaming those streets, looking for some fuck fresh yeah. victims. So let's go get our spree killing murder on. Crisics, man. Hell yeah, Leech Breeder. That's a good one, Chris. That was the first uh, song I remember. You sent me a text with that link to that video. Fucking a, man. And that was the song, uh, the music video. And I was like, wow, these guys are sick, man. I started checking them out. My son Joe, all about them too. So, and of course, they are the uh, creators of the CK intro <laughs> song. Intro music, so great metal, a, motherfucker. Great metal. So, love some Crisics, and uh, that's a good song. And of course. We are doing a fucking brutal-ass topic. Got Joey Gormonger in here with yes, us sir. to talk about it. Yep. Um, something about just fucking being in horn tie and yeah. talking about fucking murder and <laughs> chaos. And it just fucking fits, man. It you got all this like home. blood and gore around us. It's just, yeah, it does seem like home. But some people walk in here, they're like, <laughs> what the fuck? And I also noticed the spider webs up there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Getting, I've not, I've not, that I looks pretty yeah, sad. This like, one's all right over here hanging off the... Uh, I don't know the if you light. can see it from where you're at. I can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't but see those it. those on the, on the... Above, the, above the banner, yeah. yeah, there's some significant spider webs up and there. And with, the, yeah, with cool. the lights there, it makes it look fucking cool. It makes it look yeah, pretty badass. It is pretty sick, so it is a cool place keep, to be. And they keep the bugs out. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Uh, Spree Killers is the feature tonight. It's going to be a wild one. we got a variety of them to talk about. And we thought that would be a good way to do it instead of just talking about one. Now, there are a few we're going to mention that definitely will be feature inter, uh, segments yeah. later because they're just too, there's just too much right. to talk about it here. Is, as the subject, the spree subject in, uh, alone, you've got yeah. to mention these people because oh, they're pretty high profile. And there's so many yeah. fucking 
cases that could go into this episode. We knew that we were just trying to kind of run through it, you know. Right. It, but as I'm writing these down, I'm like, man, some of these, you know, I'm, br- I'm going to bring them up. But it's like, no, those deserve their own oh, fucking sure. episode. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Their own spotlight. It's some crazy yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm sure there'll be some you've heard of before that we talk about and then some that you haven't. Yeah. I guarantee you. The flamethrower guy with the God spear, damn, bro. Nobody's heard of that dude except Doctor Catherine right. Ramsey. She mentioned that. She like, mentioned it like what? Fuck, dude! A fucking yeah. spree killer with a flamethrower. What the <laughs> fuck? That's fucking <laughs> insane, crazy. Man. So uh, definitely interesting topic, Chris, and and kind of to me, little reminded me of a drifter killers, you know, and. Uh, uh, something about it. We both kind of have a thing for the drifters, you know, just I don't know, the randomness of it. I think you know? that's what it is, the randomness of it. Because one of the people we're going to bring up that we're doing, like, we're going to end up doing a full episode on, like, his randomness was just so insane. Just peop- It didn't matter who the people were. He just doing it. Fucking uh, Whitman. Like, okay. Just random people. Didn't give a right. shit. Like, other people, they knew what they were doing. Like, right. who, they had specific targets, right. basically. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely an interesting case and certainly worthy of his own segment. Right. Now, spree killers are often confused with mass murderers. And I was reading uh, on this to get ready for this episode. And I really utilized the book by Dr. Vronsky that I've mentioned before. Peter Vronsky's written, to me, the quintessential book on serial killers called Serial Killers, The Method and Madness of Monsters, cannot tell you enough. If you're listening to this and you like this kind of shit, you have to own that book because it is so good. He talks about a lot of different cases, but he talks about the why and what makes these people tick. And a lot of the stuff we've talked about on on Murder, Metal, Mayhem, I've gotten from that book. And there's stuff in this book that I don't get on the docks and some of the right, stuff I read. He definitely is digging deep on some of this stuff, and it's very, very interesting to me. And if it is interesting to you, you definitely need to pick up a copy of it. I'm not trying to sell his book. I'm just saying it's that good. But go buy his book. But you go should. Buy you really book, yeah. should because it's amazing. Now, the difference between a spree killer and a mass murderer, the mass murderer, you know, somebody snaps for you a reason and the murders are, you know, several people, but it's at one location, Chris, right? right? I mean, we talked about this in our meeting. Um, and, you know, they snap for a variety of reasons. I mean, some of this shit is like typical, you know, lost the job, spouse left them. Yeah, shit like Child that. custody is a nasty one. <laughs> that seems to be family a, disputes. A terrible one right there. Yeah. The child custody. There's yeah. Fight. That some of those are just terrible. Why they would you are. do that to? It's awful. It really is. And some people are just really shitty to each other, and it's just terrible to see it. So that's that's a typical mass murderer. But a spree killer is very similar. But what they do is they are killing in multiple locations. Right. So like a Starkweather, who's killing and then gets on the road and, and goes stops somewhere, somewhere else. else. But it's all within like. It could be like a couple hours or it could be a few, few days. days right, right. It's Usually all it's a not very that short long. time period. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, there's one we're going to talk about that went on for almost, I think it was a couple of weeks. That was probably one of the longest ones. But, you know, they, uh, Joey, I could see how the lines would blur for someone, you know, yeah. because they are very similar. Right. 
and you know like i kind of liken it to the way metal has all the sub genres and people get all hung up on that it's like it's fucking metal dude like enough with the bullshit you know but don't you see it almost like that as i said whenever we came into you know talking about this episode i was like man some of the people who i you know probably bring up throughout this wouldn't be really technically spree killers might be more mass murders or rampage right. killers but the thing is is the lines like you said they come close to blurring I they mean, do we're going to talk about spree killers and at the same time you can't talk about steven paddock who in vegas you know right right when you kill fucking 58 people 850 injured i mean yeah that but was he did brutal. it from one room right right so exactly. technically he's, he's a, a mass murderer, murderer right, right. Exactly. so yeah there's, there's those lines but at the yeah. same time it seems like he was going on a spree with some guns well, it yeah, sure it does definitely. it sure does and i <laughs> we're gonna drift back and forth a little bit but we are concentrating on the spree killers yep. but it's inevitable that we'll bring up some of the mass murderers along the way and one that i question later we'll talk about that I think really blurs that line, especially. So we'll talk about that. Oh yeah. Um, now the DC sniper uh, combo, Chris. We covered that in its own episode. Right. Um, but those guys were kind of the you know the cross between serial killer and spree killer. Um, and Peter Vronsky discusses it in the book of that whole concept because a serial killer will kill over a period of time, but there's that cooling cool off, yeah. and they're able to kind of resume a normal life in between those periods. Right, exactly. And as I recall, Dr. Ramsden mentions the same thing about yeah. the difference. Like, there's, they spree killers don't really have that cool-off period. Right, and the whole cubing thing that she talked right. about with BTK. Um, but a serial killer can go from that to normal life, normal family, um, guys like Gacy, BTK, you know, classic uh, examples. But the spree killers, since they don't really go back to the real world, they just like stay in that mode yeah. and they keep on going until they're usually killed or they kill themselves. Um, according to Dr. Peter Vronsky, about half of the mass murderers survive the rampage the other half are either killed by police right or they kill themselves right and right. chris i think you mentioned in the interview with dr ramslin suicide know, by cop or whatever yeah. yeah we talked about suicide with her um and that was such a fun interview yeah, it was. wasn't that i mean she's yeah, just yeah. a really cool lady she suicide's badass suicide's badass <laughs> <laughs> so so she wrote the book as i mentioned it's called spree killers practical classifications for law enforcement and criminology so it's really more like a textbook uh was written with uh, i don't think i could handle trying to read it dude no i was gonna try to but i just literally didn't have time especially when the laptop drama happened sunday um but uh, the book was written with the former fbi profiler mark sir uh sararic i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right um, it looks like Sararic. Right. Uh, came out last year. She explains how the book came about uh, in our interview and how they looked at the subject of spree killers. It's very interesting. And everything they came up with. Yeah. I mean, if she, you just hear her talk about the subject. You can see that she's very passionate about it. And she j- just shows in the way she delivers You know what she talks about. Uh, so let's listen to a clip, uh, the first one about our from our interview with Dr. Catherine Ramsland to hear what she says 
about that and other topics related to this. It's about 10 minutes long, so check this out. Okay, we have the privilege to be doing an interview with Dr. Catherine Ramsland, a writer and professor of forensic psychology. She's on just about every serial killer documentary out there, but somehow found the time in her schedule to talk to us here at Murder Metal Mayhem. I've got my co-host, Chris Shaw, back here with us. Thank you so much, Dr. Ramsland. How are you? I'm doing well, and I thank you for having me back on the show. Thanks again for uh, doing the interview with us, and uh, we're going to be doing an upcoming episode on spree killers, and I know you recently published a book on the subject. Uh, can you tell us how that came about and tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, the book uh, actually was almost um, accidental. It wasn't, wasn't something you're planning, but um, this all kind of started for me when the FBI in 2005 um, decided to no longer use the nomenclature spree killers for one of the classifications of multicides or multiple murders. Um, and they thought the, the reason they were doing that is because they didn't think it really had any practical use for law enforcement. Um, as a, you know, teaching criminology and forensic psychology, I could see that there was still a lot of good reason to retain the spree killer category. So I used to uh, speak with Mark Safrick, a former FBI profiler, who was one of the organizers of the conference where this this um, new development occurred. And we used to talk about it because he actually um, disagreed with the outcome of that of that symposium. And he writes all about that in the first chapter of this book. Um, he he agrees with me that that spree killer does have some practical. Um, use for law enforcement. And then this case happened in 2018 of Dwight Lehman Jones in Arizona. And and Mark and I, and I'll tell you the, the details in a minute, but Mark and I at the same time, really on the very same day, uh, thought, oh, there it is. There's the case that proves our point. And, and anyway, the case is that um, a forensic psychiatrist had been killed in a parking lot, Stephen Pitt, in Arizona. And then the next day, two people were killed at uh, law offices, and and then another person was killed at the offices of a, a life coach. And it was very clear to people who knew Dwight Lehman Jones that this is all related to him and, and a contentious divorce from his wife. Um, and so they were able to, and, and also custody, she got full custody of their son. So they were able to call law enforcement and say, we, we know, believe we know who is responsible for these three murders over a period of three days, and we know where he lives, and you should go, you know, get him. And they did. He committed suicide at the scene. I'm, I'm really condensing the story uh, for you, but he I'm committed sure, suicide. Sure. <laughs> but essentially, because they were warned and alerted, and somebody was able to put together that this was an anger-targeted type of uh, series of murders, they were able to stop him. And clearly, he had more people on his list because he had put up a bunch of uh, YouTube rants about all the people he held responsible for how his life had crashed and he'd lost custody of his son and whatnot. Clearly, he was going to go after his ex-wife and her new husband, who happened to be the one who put this together because he was also her, her former bodyguard. And so that case, we, you know, we both immediately, I wrote a blog saying, this is why the FBI is wrong. <laughs> and Mark called me. And, and then all of a sudden we started 
looking around for more cases. We, we put together 25. And then we realized, um, well, you know, no one's ever categorized spree killing the way they've done for mass murderers and serial killers, which are the other two aspects of the nomenclature of multicide. And so we started thinking, you know, could we could we look at these cases and try to figure out categories? So we started really looking. We, I think we built up 100 cases um, and, and really started seeing that they are categorizable and those that, that have practical value for law enforcement are in some specific categories. So we figured if we could... Um, you know, form a, a sort of program where we could divide up those kinds of cases that would be useful to law enforcement away from those cases that aren't useful to them, such as, as you know, murder in tight locations where they just can't get there in time, um, that we could actually do a training program for law enforcement, which is the last chapter of the book, showing um, when they understand the type of, of killing they have, as in the Dwight Lehman Jones case, um, that they actually can mobilize quickly and and perhaps save some lives and stop and, and identify the person quickly, as happened in that case and other cases. We also have a few more examples in the book as well where this happened. So it was very exciting for us. The book is essentially an argument to the FBI and law enforcement that spree killers is, in fact, a viable category uh, with, with multiple subcategories, and that they can, in fact, prepare to respond to something like this if they understand the signals. So it was really, and we never expected it was going to go into a book, but by the time, you know, we massed all these, we started looking at other countries. We, had, we ended up with 43 countries, wow. 349 cases involving 419 killers. Wow. And, and seven categories, and, and, and we ended up, you know, having way more than we ever expected we were going to. But it, it was—it's the largest database of anyone in the world of spree killers, um, and it's also the only one that's that is fully analyzed um, for all different kinds of data. So there's an entire chapter on informatics for spree killers that no one else has ever done. So I think we ended up, just because of this one case, we ended up having something that we think makes a real contribution to law enforcement. So that's a long answer to your question, but that's no, how that's it happened. That's a great answer. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very, very interesting, Catherine. Um, what about, is it exclusive? I mean, I know it's not exclusive, that's the wrong word, but much more prevalent in the United States with these spree killers. And, and why is that? What is it about us that makes us more prone to such things? Well, we're a huge country. That's one thing. Um, also, I think it's always hard to make comparisons from one country to the next, in part because of the, the way cases get recorded, investigated. Um, we even came up against some countries who just wouldn't release any information about about a particular incident. So sometimes we had trouble getting that. And I think we, you know, we didn't start out thinking we were going to do an international overview. So we we really concentrated on the cases that were readily available to us. So um, this is in no way is this book, despite being you know loaded with with cases. In no way is this book exhaustive of all the cases in the world. Um, but that being said, I would agree that we these um, in part because they've been mixed with a lot of the what we would call mission-oriented 
mass and spree killings um, for terrorism oh, purposes. Right. Okay. So that's a, that's in itself a whole different thing. But we we have had a lot of the terroristic um, kinds of things, and also school violence, workplace violence, and part that that has to do with um, media coverage because sure. uh, yeah, uh, you always get no matter what happens in media. Um, when they cover any incident, you'll always get people who uh, become copycats or or want to one up that you know if it's a big case like the like the Las Vegas shooting, they want to one up the the person. So anytime you have media coverage, you're always going to to um, trigger other potential cases, and we have a number of those actually in the book where where that has happened. So because we have such widespread media coverage um, and pretty free in terms of naming and, and giving out details in ways some other countries just don't have, we certainly have more, um, you know, of these shootings. Plus, I mean, I'm going to say it, and I know everybody hates this, but we have much more readily available um, weapons for this. Right. Sure. Many, many, many of these people used guns, m- much more so. And that's not to say... Um, you know, spree killing can't be used. It can't have other things. We we had machetes, we had knives, we had you know even poisons. We have had any number of oh, a flamethrower in one case. Oh yeah, explosives um, in yeah. Bath, Michigan too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, we have a whole analysis of all the weapons used, but certainly um, <laughs> comes up high list even in countries that don't have. Um, guns readily available. We did find um, some of these spree killers did manage to get them and use them. Definitely interesting to hear what she's got to say. She definitely has a lot of insight on it, too. Yeah. So it's, and that book, like said, Chris, sounds very meticulously drawn out. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I bet the book's amazing, but I feel like there's going to be a lot in there that I'm not going to comprehend. Soaring over our heads. Yeah, like, like, like yeah. what? Yeah, I mean, she's, like I said, a very accomplished uh, writer and college professor, and she's got like three, four different degrees, uh, speaks different languages. She's amazing. Um, very interesting, though, Joey, to hear her talk about the differences between the spree killers and the mass murderers and talking about you know how uh, in our country it's it's more prevalent, right? Uh, because of the you know the fact that we're a big country, number yeah. one, but also the the, the readily accessible guns. Yeah. Because they typically use guns as 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 spree killers and mass murderers, just because you can kill a lot of people really fast with guns. Right? If you if you got a spot to study for this subject, you know, like Catherine Ramsland needs. I mean, the United States unfortunately is one of the best spots you can look at. Yeah. Right? Uh, and for Chris, you know, I'm considering maybe a new job. I'm going to rewrite some of Catherine Ramsland's books and <laughs> Cat- Catherine Ramsland for dummies, so we can read that shit. <laughs> Catherine Ramsland nice, for nice. dummies. Hell yeah! Yeah, I, that's I, funny. I thought it was pretty uh, sweet the way that they came with the book, though it wasn't even supposed to be the book, right? right. Like yeah. they just started yeah. talking about something, put some stuff together, and came together with all this information is that how the podcast started yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> but yeah all came together with all this information if i can and they're like well now we got to do a book about it yeah if i could say so, yeah it's great great shit yeah and having that fbi profiler with her made it even definitely cooler. now one thing i learned about spree killers is that they do sometimes stop 
you know, to eat, sleep. So it's not like they just keep going. <laughs> right, right. And so they could like literally just go to sleep. When we talked about Rifkin, he wasn't a spree killer, but how he was able to kill that prostitute, then just go sleep yeah. like a normal yeah. night and get up and then, and then get rid of the, of the body. Like, oh, Same with John List, you know. I mean, so it is weird how these guys can just go sleep somewhere. You think the normal person would be like, fuck, fuck going to sleep. Fuck, fuck. I just fucking killed somebody. Yeah, Holy like, shit. I, shit. <laughs> yeah. shit. I mean, you got fucking Starkweather and Fugate. Right. When they were on there, I yeah. mean, they were sleeping, doing what they could to live for those Dude. days. Yeah. They were, they were. <laughs> but that killing is sometimes secondary to other crimes they're committing. Um, so they're, you know, robbing. Right. Um, you know, sometimes they're escaped inmates. So, you know, they're desperate, obviously. Got no money, you know, nothing. So they're just stealing to survive. And As like Texas Doing seven. whatever. Yeah, for yep. sure. For sure. Um, and they go on a crime spree and don't mind killing, you know, innocent people along the way, especially if they're cops, yeah, man. That's like, like even a that's the word, bigger that, target. Got to get rid of him because he's going to catch me and I'll be done. Fuck right. That. Now, when it comes to killers like the D.C. snipers, they're more like serial killers with those cooling off periods where they commit multiple murders in a short period of time. Um, in cycles, uh, some of them swear they're not going to kill again when they're cooling off. But they do. But a lot of them go back to it. It's like they can't stop. And then they go into that berserker mode where they start killing faster and faster until they're eventually caught or killed. And it's crazy to think of somebody just completely fucking snapping like that. And Chris, an example of that would be Charles Whitman. I mean, if there <laughs> right. ever was a classic... Uh, case of this 1966 you know we talked with dr ramslin about him too i mean that's a good case to go into man yeah i mean the fact they killed his mom and his wife first dude right then just like and everything he put as as prepared as he got to do what he did in that tower yeah he was like prepared to the max knew what he was planning on doing and carried it out to the fullest extent that he could yeah insane yeah and we're going to be doing an entire episode on whitman but whitman is a very interesting case joey i know you're very interested in him as well but like chris was saying he had weapons all spread out on that tower in 1966 austin texas yeah they thought there were multiple shooters up there because he was behind those parapet walls and he was able to shoot and be covered, and he had all these different weapons. I mean, they didn't know what the fuck was going no, on. No, and that's not something that was fucking commonplace. By no, that point not anyway. in 66. No, dude. not in 1966. And, you know, Austin, Texas, yeah. uh, University of Texas, uh, really a good case. If you're interested, check out Charles Whitman. But we are going to do an an intru- a, a whole uh, podcast uh, feature on him. Um, but what was it about Whitman, Joey, that you felt that kind of fascinates you? With uh, I mean, yeah, we've talked about Whitman before, um, obviously, while we were talking about doing an episode on him. Right. But the thing with Whitman, I think with me, you know, kind of like Chris was saying, is how prepared he was for everything. And right. I, I think it, I mean, I don't know, because you never really saw like interviews, nothing like that. So you don't really see too much of an insight into the man's mind. Right. Which maybe like growing up was part of the intrigue, you know, Mm -hmm. because, man, he just seemed like somebody who was so fucking 
dead set on what he was doing he matter was of fact about there. everything right. yeah. you know he wasn't an out there dude to me no he wasn't what you would have thought you know crazy motherfucker right like, this motherfucker he seemed very uh, adamant Down. about what he was yeah. doing and he serious. was so adamant about the fact that he thought something was wrong with his brain right. and he was and right it t- yeah, yeah it definitely turned yeah. out it was that's yeah. to me one of the most interesting things so i'm really looking forward to doing our episode on Charles Whitman. And I know Whitman was in Texas, but also 1966, same year in Chicago, was Richard Speck. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Fucking, so what yeah. the heck, Richard Speck? What the heck, Richard <laughs> Speck? Yeah. So yeah, Whitman kills his mom at her house, his wife at his house, and then goes to the tower. So the great example of a spree killer with the right. multiple locations, short, short span of time. Now, another classic spree killer would be Charles Starkweather. We've been talking about him off and on. Um, and you mentioned Chris's accomplice, Karen Fugate. Uh, their story was what inspired that movie, Natural Born Killers. And we're going to be doing an episode on Starkweather because he's another interesting one. And we talked about him with Dr. Ramsland and the whole Karen Fugate. Was she, you know an accomplice right. or did was she, she really a victim? want to be part of it yeah and did she really want him to kill yeah yeah and she definitely plays that up she got a much lighter sentence of course he was sentenced to death and then she winds up getting pardoned years later yeah, and she she's out yeah, she's, she's still alive, alive. Right yeah. Now, yeah so should i be a dick and tell you What's that you up? keep saying Karen, it's Carol Fugate. It's Carol, yeah, it is Carol. You're right. You're it right. is Carol. I, we, right. Usually, I hear it after we do it, and then I listen back. Yeah. And I'm like, or you know, mirrors. I'm like, oh, I fucked that up. Yeah. <laughs> so know, this time, I'm that. like, should I correct you? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it is that. Carol. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Carol Fugate. Yeah. You're correct. Thank you. Which, uh, of course, like you said, be doing episode with them. Yeah, too. we're gonna do one on those two because it's a good case. Um, and it's about a 14-minute-long clip here with Dr. Ramsland again talking about some of that stuff. So check it out. That's interesting. Um, did you uh, – or sorry, I saw you did a documentary about Charles Whitman. What is it about his case that makes him stand out from other cases? Well, Whitman – I mean, most people think of him as a mass murderer, and sometimes they call him, you know, the because it's 1966, right. um, they call him sort of the, the – the first one in in a wave of others, but he wasn't really. It was was Howard Unruh, um, uh, the first modern mass murderer. But but Whitman, um, he actually we put him in the category of a mixed type. He is in fact a spree turned mass killer, because he killed in three locations. Uh, he first murdered his mother and then his wife the night before. He took all his his munitions and supplies and whatnot uh, up to the um, tower at the University of Texas at Austin to start picking off people um, below. So we tend to think of him as a mass murderer, but um, as we looked at the case, Mark and I both realized we did need a category, a mixed category, because we do have, um, you know, we have spree killers who become serial killers. We have serial killers and mass murders become spree killers. So we, we definitely had some of these cases that were crossovers, and he's one of them. Um, but he's interesting to me, I guess, in psychology because the uh, the suicide note that he wrote, he also had signaled he was going to do this. He had talked, talked it over with a campus um, psychologist and said that he was having these dreams and fantasies about shooting people from the 
the tower and and um, those were the days before there was any kind of duty to warn laws so that that person didn't do anything with the information he just thought he, the guy was venting right. but he wasn't just thought he was talking and not going to actually do it right and and you know what that's the fact most people do exactly that i mean i've been right. a counselor right. Like being a counselor, but I have been, and, and certainly venting goes on all the time, and so it's difficult at times to know when you should do something. But that, as a result of some of these earlier cases, we now have a lot more safeguards in place for mental health experts to consult with one another to look at guidelines. We do have laws now for duty to warn or duty to protect, depending on what state you're in. Um, but so, so with him though, he wrote a suicide note. Um, that indicated he thought there was something wrong with his brain, and, and indeed um, there was a tumor near near the emotional center of the limbic sense, uh, system. And, you know, there'll be, there'll be people, and I've heard criminologists say, well, that didn't cause him to do this. No, no, it did not cause him to do this. But there's little uh, doubt that it, ha- it was influential. And we can't dismiss that because he had this headaches and this free-floating sense that something was wrong and he was irritable and and things just weren't going well. He was trained in the military. I mean, he had an abusive father. So there, there are a lot of factors that go into what ultimately a person ends up doing. And uh, you can't discount that that was one of those factors. Can't say that, that a brain tumor caused him to do it at all. But you can certainly say it, it did have some effect. Right, you can't count it out for something. You can't count it out, absolutely. It's, uh, I thought that documentary you were on that Chris referenced was really good. I'd not seen that before, but a lot of things I didn't know about Whitman, and that's why we've decided to do something on him here after the Spree Killer episode. Um, now we hear more about the active shooters now with the 24-7 news, but do you think they are more common, or is that only the perception just because we hear about things, and then, of course, social media as well. People have news instantly, but do you think they're more common now, or is it just coincidental? No, they're certainly more common, um, in part because well, I remember um, I, I was teaching this in a class once, and I think it was right after 2008 when you know the economy tanked and everybody, you know, yeah. and all this stuff was happening. And and I said, you watch, there are going to be more of these because what what happens? I think this is my theory is that certain uh, mentally unstable people tend to absorb collective social tension and then they act out and and they often will act out depending on what they've seen in different media things whether they're watching you know true crime documentaries or they're watching the news or they're you know reading books like mine who knows right. but they they see a way to act out and perhaps relieve the tension and 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 maybe get some fame sometimes that that's what is part of what what can drive some of them, um, but they just, they act out. And um, I think when you have one that's successful, that seems to have gotten a lot of attention, you'll get others in kind of a chain reaction to that. Right. Certainly with the school shootings, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these are simply they were inspired by someone else, and in fact, some of them have even said so. Um, I can do better than him. I, I want to do it like that. I, and, and they romanticize it. That's that's sort of the kid's version of it. But um, 
if if there are agendas, a mission, I mean, we have an entire category of these spree killers that we call we call mission oriented. Some of them are mentally ill. Some of them um, have terrorist agendas. Some of them are just hate hate filled people who want to lash out. You know, and I think uh, the New Zealand incident, I can't remember the guy's name, but when um, he went to Christ Church and he wanted to um, go into the the temples and wipe out these people. And that's another good example, because he stupidly put this this video up. (laughs) That's not very smart. You know, if you have police officers who know what they're doing and figure out the mission mindset, they can immediately figure out where might this person go next. And right. so, uh, you know, his downfall, he wanted to make a big splash, but but his downfall was stupidly putting it yeah. on a video and, and basically saying, this is what I'm doing, come and get me. Yeah. So um, that's another good example of what we're trying to say is that these spree killers, law enforcement can get ready for them. Um, and when they have either an anger-targeted type of killer that that is like Dwight Lehman Jones who had clear targets and a you know a list of people he was angry at or you have these mission mindsets it's easier to figure out where to anticipate where they're going and what they might do next so that that too is a good case that is that's very interesting uh, is it common for spree killers uh, to commit suicide after they commit their crimes or even suicide by cop or something like that is it yeah yes um, and we did a whole, ran a whole study because i i'm a suicidologist so i'm always interested in the suicide angle of things um so we did um part of our analytics was on the whole suicide question in part because in in my opinion of the the three categories: you have mass murderers who commit, who kill four or more people in this, in basically a single incident, or you know, or closely related locations. Uh, a spree killer who strings it out a little more in terms of ge- geography or time, or both, and spree ki- and serial killers who are basically motivated in a very different way than either of those two. So I kind of see spree killers as being mass murderers strung out, you know, across time, place. And in that case, most mass murders um, either are suicidal or do commit suicide either at the scene or later in their in their cells or, you know, after they can get convicted or something like that. They do tend to have, uh, you know, suicidal intentions because you know, everybody knows who they are. It's, there's no hiding it. You know, they're basically trapped. We do have some who turn themselves in, but often they will commit suicide or hope they'll get killed by police. So spree killers would have a lot of that same mentality. Um, and that's certainly what we saw. That they we, we saw a lot of suicides. Not as many, I think, as we expected to see. Um, but certainly we also saw them getting into scraps at the end of their sprees, like Dwight J- Layman Jones is a good example, um, where when the police cornered him, he, you know, initially he was going to shoot it out, but then he killed himself. And we've had a few more like that who waited until they were cornered um, and then, you know, either shot themselves or put themselves in a situation where the police would shoot them. Hmm. 
Interesting. Um, what is it about killers uh, like Charles Starkweather uh, that become romanticized with movies like Natural Born Killers? Do you think it was the you know, fact that he had Carol Ann with him, the female accomplice, that kind of makes it like a very romanticized, albeit gory and, and gruesome, but like somewhat romanticized? Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde. Well, I mean, it was kind of romantic for Starkweather himself. Sure. Um, he's the prototypical spree killer. Like, when you think of spree killer, it used to be that's the guy you'd think of. Right. Um, and, and in many ways, he saw himself as her, you know, deliverer. He went and killed her family. They played house together for a week. You know, he had the first murder he committed even before his spree uh, was so that makes him a sort of a serial killer turned spree killer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the murder he committed was that he could buy her presents because he wanted he robbed a gas station and killed the gas station oh, that's attendant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so in a way, his whole thing had romantic overtones because even as they were killing uh, people across the way, and I, I have a personal thing with this because m my mentor, my college mentor's brother was Robert Jensen, who was the kid who picked him up hitchhiking and ended up with his girlfriend shot and dumped into a storm cellar. Oh, so that's wow. something uh, I've always had this, you know, ever since college. I've been aware, and, then, and then my mentor committed suicide. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, so Starkweather had reverberations throughout that family, and several members of that family committed suicide, the Jensen family. And oh. the, the Robert Jensen case was the one that they tried Starkweather on, so it was pretty horrifying for all involved. But still, in, in his mind, you know, it, it was kind of a suicidal run. Uh, if, he, if he didn't make it, okay. Um, but if he did, they were going to go find a place, you know, isolated where they could— you know, be together forever, and she she was, you know, the one who was with him on this. And frankly, I honestly think that her whole defense, I know she's still alive, and I should probably not say this, but she had ways to get away from him. There was an entire yeah, week there. definitely, definitely. Um, there were times when he was asleep. There were, you know, there, were, there was time for her to have done something. Um, and when she spoke about her... Uh, involvement later, you, you could tell she was sophisticated enough to know what she was doing and, and then to turn on him. So she easily could have turned on him before she wasn't in terror of her life. And he even, he even suggested she might have been involved in the, the Jensen murder with his, his sister, I mean, his, his fiance, right. Carol. So, you know, maybe, um, you know, she, she certainly disavows that to this day. Uh, I personally um, am skeptical of some of the claims she's made since then, because I think when you really look at that whole spree, um, I, I, it isn't that I think she was altogether, um, oh, yeah, let's kill people together, like you see with natural born killers or some of these other right. um, that are supposedly based on them. I don't think at all she wanted him to kill her family, and I don't think she was very enthused about other other people he killed. Um, but nevertheless, I think she went along with him. Um, who knows? Maybe she just thought she had nothing left. That was so why not? Now, basically. Yeah, I don't know. But in a way, the reason I think it gets romanticized is because it, it for him it was romantic. 
he was her protector. He he was going to make a life for them together um, by killing these people and and stealing from them and and finding a way to to get where they could be where nobody would find them. That was kind of an absurd notion, but he wasn't a very bright guy. Right. Now, I thought that was really interesting there in that clip, how Dr. Ramsland talks about her roommate slash mentor in college was the sister of one of the Starkweather victims, which is crazy. Right, yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Uh, She winds up committing suicide, which is awful, um, but very, very compelling stuff. She's just such an interesting uh, speaker, um, and I hope you guys like those clips we played. Um, the 666 Club members, like I said, can hear the entire 48-minute interview with her. Um, we'll talk about that later, um, but uh, just wanted to mention it because that's a way we're going to start doing these interviews is we're going to play clips from them, but the entire interviews will then be Patreon only. Uh, so they'll be able to hear the whole thing. So now, Joey, I agree with Dr. Ramslin that uh, Carol Fugate uh, was an active part in the uh, murders um, and got off pretty easy. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I really think that was the case. I mean, I don't know because obviously no, we weren't there. Of course. So you don't know what kind of control he might have had. But at the same time. Um, with the actions that progressed in the days that they took off, it seems like she was more of an active participant. Right. It's kind of like an earlier version of how I kind of feel Carl Homoka was a bigger yeah. part of those killings. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. That's a great example of that as well. Um, now, I, there's. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to refer him to, uh, to her interview, the segment that you guys were playing, and she was talking about the mission oriented um, killers. Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, suicides the end game for them um, right usually not by their own hands and just what like i said i was going to bring up a few that weren't necessarily spree killers but i thought it would fit the the mold and and two that kind of reminded me of her interview where she was talking about those were uh francisco gonzalez and david burke which um both of them hijacked planes okay. and Fra- francisco gonzalez may 7th uh 1964 the plane went down in danville california 43 killed David Burke, December 7th, 87, in San Luis Obispo, California, 42 killed, wow. including themselves. And both of them, you know, hijacked the plane, killed the pilot and the co-pilot, shoot themselves, and then the and fucking then the plane plane's just, just out down. there flying. Like, and, but that was like up. when she talked about mission-oriented, I was like, man, that's that's a fucking mission that's right a mission. there. Yeah, that's oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you get a lot of them like the, you know, the, the fanatics, the religious fanatics, yeah, or sure. like, a, uh, what was his name, Callinger. You know, these crazy oh. notions. You know, he was certainly a serial killer, wouldn't be really a spree killer. Right. But like these people that are mission-oriented, like Ridgeway, yeah. you know, felt like he was doing a service by eradicating yeah. these the prostitutes. Yeah. So really fucked up. With Callinger, like you said, I mean, that's that blur because yeah. you can almost put him in the other category. You almost could. I feel that way with it Berkowitz. wasn't that long of a period no, of time. No, it wasn't at all. And Berkowitz, I kind of feel the same way because he was sure. like, shooting them he was kind of like shoes spree shooting yeah but with a cooling off period right like a serial killer so i know it was, it was weird it, it blurs the line it really does now there are so many spree killers it's really hard to narrow them down and one of the uh, ones i recently saw a listener posted on facebook about it i don't have the name of the listener handy but uh, thanks for that uh, suggestion uh the person that did that um the lapd cop chris dorner yeah 
That would possibly be one we could do an entire feature on. Definitely. Uh, he committed a series of shootings from February 3rd to February 12th in 2013. Uh, his victims were police officers as well as civilians. Uh, he killed five, injured six others. Uh, he claimed uh, that you know he did this manifesto right. and declared war on the LAPD for firing him. Because he was calling them out on their bullshit, using yeah. excessive force, and they were right. calling him a liar. Yeah. And he, he got pissed off about it. Yeah. Didn't, felt, didn't feel like he deserved to get the treatment he was getting. Pretty yeah, much. I mean, and what's going on today, that's a very interesting situation because we're talking seven years ago. Um, and we all know that the police have been accused of that for a long time. So it's very unfortunate that this happens at all. But, of course, the media jumps on it, especially when they can sensationalize it. And we're just going to kind of leave that there because we really don't want to get into that. Right. But Dorner died in a shootout with the police in, in the, the mountains, man, yeah, in a cabin in the San Bernardino Mountains. So pretty crazy. Now, Chris, you brought up an interesting one. Yeah, uh, who Barton. was that? Mark Barton. Yeah, he uh, he kind of snapped at work, and that's another thing that, like we talked about earlier, some of them have in common. Yeah, some yeah, of them have in common. Going like, postal, basically type of going thing. postal yep. type of shit. Which, like, I can't remember his name, but the first person that went, went postal, post. like straight <laughs> right. up, went at the post office. Right. It's uh, Barton just like lost a shit ton of money at work because he was a fucking day trader. Yeah, and he was in debt, like. Owed money to his yeah. company and shit, and fucking just lost his shit pretty much. Yeah, it was 1999. I saw that yeah, happen. He, he killed his fucking family, and then dude. And how he killed his family is fucking brutal. So Hit the hammer, bad. man. Yeah, terrible. Wow. And then he left like notes on each of their bodies and shit, basically yeah. like a prayer or some shit. Kinda. Yeah, that was very religious oriented, kind of going into that mission type of thing. Um, he killed 12 plus himself, used a hammer at, for his wife and kids, got the hammer, but right. then he busted then he, out the guns. Yeah. And he went to two different, well, ex-job sites. Right. I can't remember right. the names of the company. Yeah, they were side by side. And yeah. had the whole fucking 911 shit fucked up in the head because they thought they got the one 911 call. So they send cops out there, and then they get one from the other one. They're like, oh, the police are already there. And they're oh. like, no, they're not. So, oh, wow. So, yeah, like the 911 dispatchers were confused because it was the same thing going on in two different places. Oh, my God. I, I read something where he was, like, kind of hanging out with his coworkers that they just took the gun out and yeah. just started shooting. Yeah, exactly. That's fucked. Yeah. He just talked to him. He's like, call the one dude. Like, pretty much just, hey, come here, check this out real quick. Yeah. Started blasting off. That's man. fucked up, man. And in the notes, like you mentioned, they talked about Jehovah and got all into this religious stuff. And he went to the, you know, shoot the co workers. It was just crazy shit. Um, and I think, did he get killed in that? He killed himself. Yeah. Oh, he killed yeah. himself. He That's a, right. He had a nine millimeter and a. 45 i think he put yeah. one gun to each temple only one gun went off but yeah oh wow but yeah he put one each gun to each temple oh and... man god damn that's fucking crazy shit i would have put them both on my dick <laughs> <laughs> wow bitch <laughs> one up your butt uh now if you look at uh i'm not gonna pronounce this probably sung we cho um the virginia tech shooter from 2007 um he's listed in murder and wikipedia as a mass murderer um, his 32 murders were spread out across campus in various buildings. And that's the blurred line right there. So it that's what I don't know. Different areas. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah. like, you know, on 
ISU campus, all those buildings have addresses. I mean, yeah, they're they separate addresses buildings. And they're on di- like they're different streets far away yeah. from each other too. Yeah, Virginia isn't? Tech is going to be it's a huge, huge fucking campus. Yeah. So you know, I could see where you could call him a spree killer. I could see where mass murderer would fit. Right. It's it's confusing. I didn't think to ask Dr. Ramsland about that. Um, so depending on how you look at it, but most school shootings would probably be considered mass murders, don't you guys think? Well, Unless they actually killed somebody and then went and then and went did to the it, school. Yeah, you know. Now I don't know, um, Joey, what you think about it. Um, can you think of any school shooters? That would be considered a spree killer. Um, I think I'm in the same kind of deal with you, where I think almost specifically they're going to be considered mass murderers. Right. (laughs) One that I think of, though, because it was kind of happened um, in 2008 up at Northern Illinois University, Stephen Kazmierczak, he opened fire with a shotgun, three pistols, and a crowd of students on campus, and he killed five and injured 17 before he killed himself. Okay. So another kind of like Virginia Tech. Just oh, sure. Not that, uh, you know, excessive. not that big of a body count. But yeah. still, that's fucking oh, scary sure. as shit. It is and, scary. and I had been living up there, not then. You know, I right. had moved by then, but all my friends from DeKalb were still up yeah, there. Like yeah, like Gonzo, like he fucking was going to school there. It was like, wow. that's fucking scary. You it know? is fucking scary. Um, And then another thing, like you're talking about, how it kind of blurs the line, but it, it's so much more worth mentioning uh, because it's on a campus and it's in different areas, you know? Right. Um, Columbine's kind of like that too. Yeah. They, had, they had multiple areas. But another thing that I was thinking of that kind of goes along that way is um, in uh, 2009, Fort Hood. Yeah. Uh, I, fucking I major, what was his name? Nadal Hassan. Yeah. He fucking went crazy, killed mm-hmm. 13 people, injured 30 more. Right. And that's kind of the same way because it happens on active base. Yeah, but it was at areas. one. I I was at Fort Hood, but I wasn't there at the time. Right, and I'm not sure exactly where that was, but it was like some sort of they were getting ready to be deployed. Right, they were so they were at some sort of processing center. So they were at one location on okay. the base, yeah. but Fort Hood is like the size of Bloomington. Right, oh, yeah. it's right. fucking huge. Yeah, uh, there's like forty thousand people that live there, so Damn. it's a very large. And the it's ranges and stuff, it's a huge fucking, oh, it is. It's, its own It's town, a city yeah. um, for sure. So it, under normal circumstances, like a Virginia Tech, I would agree, was yeah. moving around. But I'm that pretty sure everything happened at that processing center. I thought that was because I knew you had been at Fort Hood. Oh, too, yeah, so. okay. yeah. And like we said, I think we're going to kind of go back and forth with some of these mass murders right. just because they do blur that line. Yeah. Now, one thing we, we heard Catherine mention in that clip was about the flamethrower. And Jesus. I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, so she I, was like, I Googled what spree shit, killer with a flamethrower, and I found this gem. <laughs> I was like, wow, she wasn't bullshit. <laughs> Not in 1964 at all, man. in Cologne, West Germany, remember those of you the that four, are young, right. there was East and West Germany. East was the, um, the communist side. West was the free side. They combined them to one Germany years later, but in 1964, they were separate. Walter Seifert uh, went on a rampage at an elementary school with a homemade flamethrower, some DIY shit, Joey, and a spear and killed eight kids and two teachers and wounded 22 others. I mean, 
Chris, what the Bro, fuck, dude? Like, first of all, wow. props on making a homemade flamethrower. That's what I'm, I'm going to go with that. Is there a YouTube video? <laughs> right, there's got to be a tutorial somewhere. Anarchist cookbook. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking. But then why are you going to want to go to the goddamn elementary school? What them kids do to you unless you got fired from the school? Right. But yeah, that's still shitty. Could you imagine fucking this dude no, just walking up fucking throwing fucking little kids? Yeah, that'd that's be fucked, fucked up. Man. Spearing and a spear. Yeah, like I, I picture like uh, I picture like uh, that movie Three Hundred or whatever. Yeah. Oh fucking, yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> an old gladiator, old Roman spear or some right. shit like that with a flamethrower. Like what was that? Uh, what was that one case? Wasn't it here in Illinois with the guy that made the bomb and went to the school? And no, that was in Bath, Michigan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the one we talked with Harold Schechter about. Yeah, right. He's got that book coming up about that. So, Joey, it makes sense that most of them use guns, yeah. um, but this one is kind of interesting with the flamethrower right, and the right. spear. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, you fucking torch the whole fucking building, kill everybody if you needed to with that shit. Now, I think spree killers is an interesting topic, and looking at them you know, compared to mass murders or serial killers is is very interesting and i mentioned again that dr vronsky book just really awesome and also dr ramsland ramsland's book so did you guys have anything you wanted to add i know joey had a list of some did you already touch on those i've touched on almost everything i had two more actual spree killers that i did want to bring up sure um to be honest both of them like we said be good episodes and oh, <laughs> as murder sure. mayhem goes on you know oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway one that i wanted to bring up and that's because this one's so recent was april 18th and 19th of 2020 gabriel wartman up in canada had the the largest killing of any canadian canada? crime yeah oh okay. um, he killed 22 and it lasted 13 and a half hours oh wow and he had dressed up as a canadian mountie uh, and oh, wow. Why do I, why do yeah. I not I remember about that. hearing about this? Well, because this has also been during all this COVID, all the COVID shit. shit. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I mean, this was at the beginning of that, like I said, in April. And, uh, right, right. No, he, uh, he snapped out, and that was – there's always been, you know, a little bit of a jibber-jabber back and forth with the U.S. and Canada and how Canada is so much safer and all this and that. Right. So once this happened, that was like a fucking very big awakening to them because this guy had like, all these fucking guns. Oh, yeah. Shit, this fucking happened, um, yeah. So anyway, so I thought that one was a good one to bring up because it was so recent and Canada's worse. But another one that I really want to bring up, and this is probably my most fascinating case as far as spree killing goes, was the Port Arthur massacre that happened in um, Tasmania, Australia. Australia? Yeah, uh, Martin Bryan Martin on Bryan. April 28th yeah. and 29th in 1996, he killed 35 and wounded 23. Yeah, I and remember he went to about multiple that. places. Right. And he lured cops in to kill them. Oh, wow. And he and, wasn't that old either. No, and his whole story is so fucking... That, that story is so intense that that's one I would definitely like to do. Yeah, and, I've and been I know wanting my to buddy, do one uh, anyway. I'd, my okay. buddy Rick Ring listens to this podcast. Yeah, fuck yeah, He's Rick. from Tasmania. He was definitely alive during that time. Oh, living wow. There. We so, have to get him on. Right, man. and I, I think that would be interesting to see yeah. if we could do that. That'd be awesome, dude. That would be really awesome. Now, the research that I did for this episode was done with a few different YouTube documentaries, plus our conversation with Dr. Ramsland. Um, definitely go check her out on Amazon. You can pick up her books that way. And as she mentioned, she's on Facebook. That's pretty um, much her main social media. Yeah, Facebook, she's on there so. all the time. A uh, big thanks to her for doing that interview with us. Um, I also mentioned that amazing book by Dr. Peter Vronsky, Serial Killers, The Method and Madness of Monsters. 
that needs to be on your bookshelf if you're into true crime seriously um what about you guys anything you guys read or watched I mean, nothing specific. like specific documentaries on this, on individual spree killers. Yeah, and, I watched uh, some Whitman stuff. Yeah, That's I where I saw right. Dr. Ramsland on that one. I yeah. was like, we've got to do this interview with her because she was on that one. So It's like a lot of the, the spree killer documentaries you find. They cover the bases on the same kind of ones. Right. Right. You see Whitman, you see Muhammad. You know. Yeah, and that's why I thought it was cool. We did some of the more obscure yeah, ones. Sure. I think Definitely, we always yeah. like to do those. So, very very cool. All right. Well, next time we're going to be doing a very disturbing case from 1963 to 1965 in the UK. The Moors murders is definitely one of those that you may not be familiar with. Uh, Ian Brady, who is fascinating, and Mira Hindley, who's also fascinating, killed at least five children. And their story is a crazy one. The way they hid the bodies, yeah, and he did. went to his grave, not giving up where a the last one thing, was. Yeah. Taking the pictures, the fucking mark. The yeah, <laughs> and he writes this fucking book while he's in prison called "The Gates of Janus." Now I ordered this thing not once, but twice, and it never showed up. I got reimbursed both times. But you still so have there's no there's the like huh. some telling me I shouldn't read this book right? <laughs> right I guess because he writes about serial killers and the book on the cover says written by, by a, a serial, serial killer. killer so the publisher is obviously playing on that right. but he writes this book with his insight on Bundy Gacy I mean that would be fascinating to read what a serial killer would and say about other around. serial yeah. killers very intelligent guy apparently he's he's passed now but a very, very fascinating read, I'm sure. Um, so that's going to be a good one next week. You don't want to miss Fuck it. Nah. The couple killers, too. You know, it gets kind of yeah. crazy. Um, so we got that great metal motherfucker coming up. He's ready to throw the fuck down. So, Joey, what's going to happen now, buddy? Let's get our metal on! Known the world over as the master of metal, the crusher of posers, and murder metal mayhem's knower of all things metal... Hailing from Wild Man Street in Danbury, Connecticut, standing at six feet of brutal punishing madness, weighing in at 220 pounds of poser pulverization. The one, the only, toughest bastard on the planet, Chris C.K. Kovic! All right, we got the great metal motherfucker the great out here metal with us motherfucker. here. What's up, CK? What's up, gentlemen? Fucking throwing down, talking about some spree killers. Killer, man. Let's just travel all over for a little bit, like <laughs> right? just murder anybody. That's right. Got Joey Gormonger in here hanging out with us again. So. I used to put like four doses per spree and kill motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I used to, I used to love that candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good, <laughs> sprees. So CK, we were talking in the intro that you've been just throwing the fuck down with some old school bands, and here's another one you got coming up tonight. We're kind of pumped to hear about it. So, Ooh, yeah, what is the metal feature for tonight, dude? The metal feature for tonight is. 
the Australian band Midnight Oil from the 80s. <laughs> Midnight Oil? Yeah. Yeah, that ball guy kind of looking rocking my look. You know? <laughs> no, no, just... <laughs> just joking, of course. <laughs> um, Sacred Right of um, Phoenix, Arizona. Fuck yeah, yeah. fucking Hell Sacred yeah, Right, dude. man. Oh, awesome stuff. Another band that um, finally came out with a new album. I think it was like 27 years after the last one. So, right. right. <laughs> you know, a little and, bit um, of a break, a little hiatus. Yeah. It's that cool they, down actually, they've been, they've been back. They've been together since back together since 2006. But um. Originally, they formed in 85, and um, they got a big push, I remember. The reason why I heard of them was Flotsam and Jetsam always pushed them because they're from the same area. Yeah, I was going to say that's where they're from, so that makes yeah, sense. It was kind of like um, a junior band of Flotsam and Jetsam because right. they, they, always, they always pushed them. I remember Jason um, Newstead pushing them. And to tell you the truth, I mean, they formed in 85, and the first album, Ignorance, came out in 87. When that first album came out, I wasn't too impressed with it. Really? Yeah. Um, when I first got it, it just, to me, sounded almost like generic thrash. Yeah. I, I still think it does. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I, yeah I, I see what you're talking about with them, cause, but they're still fucking badass, though. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean... It took me like uh, a couple months to get into it, and I finally did get into it. But um, that album got a lot of um, got a lot of coverage as far as magazines and and um, on MTV. I think it was on Headbangers Ball. You saw them a lot. Um, the big, the bigger thing that came up was when they put out the Surf Nicaragua. That fucking right. um, Jesus Christ! EP. I love that shit. That's man. killer. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking amazing, man. Um, that thing was like all over the place, and they did a fucking awesome version of War Pigs. Yeah, yeah, they did by Sabbath. And um, that was the album that really gave them more or less. Put them on, well, it wasn't an album, it was a four song EP or six song EP that really put them on the map. But when they came out with um, The American Way, that did it for me. That album was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, yeah agreed. Um, that was pretty much for, 80, for 1990, that, that was the thrash album for me for that year. Um, I don't know why it took him three years to come out with a, a follow-up to um, Ignorance. I know this is the last album with, with the original band members, or at least with the original um, band together. I know the first two albums was Phil Ryan, Wiley Arnett, uh, Jason Rainey, and the drummer was Greg Hall. I know after The American Way, Greg Hall left the band um musical differences as always and they eventually signed to um, a major label and I think they signed to Hollywood Records which I forget who they were subs subsidiary of um, I know Universal was was a distributor but they were they were a major oh, it, was, it was actually a, a Disney um Disney Disney owned it. Okay. Um, and that album fucking killed. Um, and considering it was in 93, so it was another three years, 
between American Way and Independent. Independent was just another killer album. I mean, yeah, I was actually just jamming that the other day. Yeah, yeah, fucking so good, dude. I mean, at the time, it, there wasn't really too much coming out um, as far as metal. Right. Obviously, you had the um, precursor to grunge coming. Um, hair metal was ruling the airwaves or pretty much everything at that time. Yeah. And, thra- and thrash and underground music was, was pushed to the side. But um, Sick of Reich came out with this album, Independent. I just remember putting it on and listen- listening to it and being like, holy shit. Right. This, this band is just getting better and better with each album and um you know it was another three years until the follow-up with that and for some reason after 93 i guess the album really didn't sell that well but hollywood records dropped them they went back to metal blade because you you always go back to your home and i guess yeah so so many bands have like left metal blade and and gone back right I can't even tell you how many bands have probably have probably done that in the past. Yeah. And metal and metal blade always brings them back. They you yeah. know no issues. No. Um, and that was heel in '96. And at that time, metal was not even or even thrash was not even on the map at that point. And this this album still kept up thr- the thrash roots and was at that time one of my favorite albums of the year. I remember. And uh, then after that, they just disappeared. They broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing was said. They just went their own separate ways. And 2006, you heard that they were getting back together, doing um, festivals and stuff like that, um, <laughs> doing some shows. Uh, supposedly, they've been back together since 2006, but... You know, with limited limited shows, obviously no album until last year when they put out Awakening, which is right. fucking amazing. You know, an amazing album considering it's 27 years <laughs> after um, Heal. Um, and it was the original band. Um, Greg Hall came back. It was Jason Rainey, Wiley Arnett, and um, Phil Rind. That was the original band. Um, unfortunately, um, Greg Hall had issues again. Um, I don't know if it was personal issues with the guys or musical, whatever it was, and they brought back Dave McLean, who, re- who replaced Greg Hall previously in 91, I believe it was, hmm. from, from uh, Machine Head. Because Machine Head just... At that time, actually, everybody left Machine Head, and um, what's his face put a new Machine Head together. But Dave McLean left, and went right back into Sacred White Break. Um, unfortunately, Jason Rainey, the original rhythm guitarist, he um, he passed away last year. He had a massive heart attack, and I think he was only like 50, 51. Wow. Um, so he passed away. Um, and now they have a dude named Joey Radswell as the new rhythm guitarist. Um, but Sacred Reich is still still together now. Obviously, they're not touring because you can't tour right now. Right. 
Well, maybe um, after all this crap goes away, it'd be nice to see them out on stage, yeah. man. That's that cool. would be fucking sweet, man. Or hopefully they're recording a new album like um, yeah. a lot of people are. Yeah, there yeah, are quite got a nothing few. Else to do. Might as well make some new music. Might as well. You know. I mean, I know I know, Ozzy's recording a follow-up to his, to his last album already. Yeah, there's quite a few bands recording yeah. right now. I mean, might as well make yeah. use of the time. Now, what's your lost classic this week, CK? The band is Desperado, and the name of the album is Ace. Now, there's a little history with this album. Okay. And um, not familiar with this at all. So. No, no, you'll, not, you'll, not, you'll, I have you'll know no the idea. band. You'll, you'll know the band members once I tell you. It, it was a super group. Okay. It was um, D. Snyder. Nice. Bernie Torme and Clive Burr. Nice. Wow. Um. Originally, this album was supposed to come out, I think, in, um, like, mid-90s. And it was supposed to be called Bloody But Unbowed. Wow. And for some reason, the record company who signed them shelved the album. Um, the, the re-release, or what would be the actual first edition of the album come out because I know the Bloody But Unbowed edition was bootlegged a lot um it was finally released under the title Ace in 2006 okay yeah as um, I was going to say Clive Burr got ill there and it's gone now so that uh, yeah that's cool that he did this I didn't realize I always loved his yeah, it, drumming in Iron Maiden before Nico but um you know, it's a hard album to find now, but it was a, just a good metal album in general. And um, not many people knew about it. A lot of people knew of um, D. Snyder's band Widowmaker, yeah, which, was right, actually right. After, which was after um, Desperado. And actually, on the first Widowmaker album, I think he redid four or five songs from, from the actual Desperado album. Interesting. Okay. But, um, you know, if you can, de- definitely check it out. That's cool. That's cool. What uh, what have you guys been listening to, Joey? What about you here lately? Anything worth mentioning? Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, at home in the car. I've been listening to some David Allen Coe. Okay. Yeah. But uh, at home, I've been on kind of a little bit of a classic rock thing. Okay. You know, and two albums that I've been listening to a lot lately, Jethro Tull, Original Masters. I could never get enough of that my whole life. Yeah, and then uh, Deep Purple, the Book of Talos, and their second album. Oh, why? Oh, uh, the their original Deep Purple yeah. lineup. Yep, yep. <laughs> with um, with Rod Evans and um, some was it Rod Evans and something? His last name was Price or something. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Whenever I was a young kid, though, that was the first Deep Purple I ever heard. Was that album? Right. Uh, my uncle had the yeah. record, and that became you know the album to me. Right. Uh, just because cool. I, I, I I love that uh, that that um era of the band. Yeah, me too. It's it's a lot different, of course, than you know oh, it's the rock and yeah. Blackmore era. But <laughs> yeah, it's not it's yeah. not. You put on Machine Head, you put on that. Right. There's <laughs> different, definitely <laughs> a different a, a difference. Right. Yeah. What about you, CK? What have you been jamming here lately? I've been listening to, like some really diverse shit lately. Um, Dark Angel. Nice. Um. Megadeth. Okay. Uh, the Pretenders, their first two albums. Um, 
And actually, the Beastie Boys' all communication. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I've, been, I've been, like, all over the map lately, so. Okay, well, that's good. Chris, what about you, bro? Nothing different in particular. Like, Just lately, background music. Background kinda. music at the mo- for the most part at the moment. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. The other night, though, we were, Saturday night, we were chilling out and shit. And we had a fucking fire going. I just had YouTube going, and they YouTube just randomly played the whole live uh, uh, Faith, no, Faith more. no More. No, yeah, live yeah, Faith download No More. Festival. Yeah, the download festival, and then right oh, after that, cool. it played uh, the live Primus that was so badass, oh, like the whole show. And then, uh, it, yeah, I mean, but that shit was like so awesome. We listening left it on to it. autoplay for a while. It was actually decent. and it, it kept like, playing oh, awesome shit for us. That's really cool. And then all of a sudden, something shitty came over. Like, well, changing that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had a little bit of a drive this weekend to go see her mom and dad. It's a couple hours, so I listened to the Catherine Ramsland interview on the way there. Right, to catch up on to get that. brought up on yeah, getting ready to do this, and then uh, we also listened. She likes classic rock, like '60s and '70s stuff. So some of it wasn't my thing. But some of it was cool. Right. Some Zeppelin, some things obviously right. I know, and then some some of the sixty yeah, stuff is not really my thing. Right, um, right. Don't like keyboards and and uh, it's just you know I, I'm pretty much a metalhead, so the other stuff I can listen to in the background, it's fine. But yeah. if it's like at a loud volume, I don't know how right. much I would like it. You know? <laughs> so uh, yeah, that that's all we listen to in the car when I'm. And Laura's car is that, is that stuff, yeah. which which I don't mind because I grew up on that. Yeah, shit. and like I said, it's background while you're talking. It's fine. Um, national metal news or any local stuff? Anybody wants to mention while we're uh, talking I, metal? I Anything? ain't got anything off the top right no, now. No, we still have the show in Anarga oh, yeah. the next month. A- Anarga is still birthday. going on. Yeah, that's cool. What's the date on that one, Joey? Uh, shit, I don't even remember offhand. But. No, I don't either. That's cool, though. Onarga is not that far away. If you're here in central Illinois, you know probably where it is. Yeah. It's, so uh, you guys have done shows there before, so right. it's a good spot. August 22nd. August 22nd. Yeah. Which, so of course, plate. it's got to be Chalk, Blood Feud, Goremonger, Treacher Untold, Indulgent Devour, and Interspecies Erotica. So all, all the uh, local homies from here. That's awesome. Okay. And uh, we actually got an email from a guy uh, from a band. I shared it with you, CK. I don't know if you've heard it yeah, yet. Yeah, I, I, I started listening to it. It, it jams. Yeah, it does. Uh, the band is called Divided by Design, and they sent us a uh, their album. I'll, I'll forward it to everybody. Um, but uh, they're really good. They're from the U.K. They're um, very progressive from what I heard. I only heard about the first two minutes of the first song, and I was like, wow, this it- is pretty intense. It's instrumental progressive. That's what I thought. I didn't hear any okay. vocals. Yeah. So it's amazing, cool, though. though. They are fucking jamming the fuck out. So it's like animals as leaders and shit? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, so Divided by Design, uh, plan on playing some of that uh, in the next episode. So thanks, guys, for sending that yeah, in. And then CK, um, yeah, if you dig I'm, it. I'm going to do... I'm, I'm going to do a review on it. Awesome. I, I got to listen to it more. But yeah, I'll, yeah. Yeah, send me that link. I, I want to check it out. I listen to a couple songs and it's it's definitely right up right up my alley of what I like. Awesome. Well, that's cool. I, I, so you'll get to do a I, review of it. We'll get to hear the review definitely. here, and then we'll play some of it uh, next episode. So check that and out. I, and I got I got I got to give a shout out to Stephanie. Yeah. One of our. Um, I I got the shirt got that it? she made for me. Oh, I got wow. it today. Yeah. Wow. Um, a, man. 
I'm, I'm going to be taking my wife's going to take a picture of me in it and I'll post it online oh, on, in the sweet. next day or two. That's sweet. cool, sweet, man. Dude. That's very so, cool. That's and awesome. And again, I want you know I want to thank her for doing that for me. Um, yeah, that was awesome. And and you know, she did it. I guess because basically everything I've been through. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's cool that our um, that our audience actually know. Gives a shit. Yeah, that's really yeah, a yeah, cool yeah. thing. And Stephanie yeah. and her sisters were up at Shakers this weekend. They took the Dahmer tour, and she had special shirts made at the event Hell with yeah. Murder Metal Mayhem, and then Dahmer or Milwaukee 2020 or something, and then they had Dahmer face masks on. And yeah, yeah. Really cool stuff. So yeah, Stephanie, shout out big time. And speaking Toledo, of Ohio. Shakers and Dahmer. Yes. The 666 Club, if you join that, oh, dude. what are you going to get to hear? You're going to get to hear the whole Dahmer episode, and with it, an interview with Bob, Bob talking Wars. about the cannibal uh, Cream City Cannibal Dahmer tours there in Shakers, so that's awesome. And uh, that'll be uh, part of that episode, and we're also going to interview John Borowski, so you get to hear uh, you know, that interview with him in there. So. I mean, that alone, that, I mean... That's worth the three dollars, right? Yeah, because you're not going to get to hear it unless you're right. part of that six 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 club. Not so three bucks a month, Patreon.com/slash Murder Metal Mayhem will get you there. Um, you'll get that special episode when we record it later this month. Currently, the six 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 club members can hear that whole Catherine Ramsland interview, and they also get the episodes a day early, the notes from the show. At the first of the month, I'll send them a list of all the topics we're going to cover that month. And uh, all sorts of VIP shit, the karaoke songs as soon as they're recorded, and stuff that you guys get when I when I get stuff done. So they're going to be, you know, tied in that close with it. So it is a cool thing. Get and be part of the get, be part of the show, pretty that's much. That's right, very much so. And they'll you know get to help us out because you know laptops get the stuff spilled on them yep. <laughs> and have to be replaced. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's going to be really cool. So, uh, all right, guys. Well, I think we've done. Did you, uh, oh, did Joey, you have, yeah, anything, you have anything you want to you mention about your distro, anything brother? Anything got to fucking uh, how to hit you up on Facebook, Gormonger page? Yeah, I mean, if anybody needs some metal shit, hit me up. I will say uh, I fucking forgot about this until now. But because of the podcast, I did have somebody hit me up in a band. And I need to talk to them a little more, but it's some uh, ex-members of, like, Dead End and uh, right, right. Slaughter cool. and, like, those bands from around here. Yeah. But they were talking to me about, you know, distro and one of their CDs and stuff. So Pretty that's cool. really cool that, yeah. you know, the connection was made. Fuck yeah, dude. That's yeah. awesome, dude. And that they contacted me. So. That's awesome. So yep. people could check you out on Facebook on Goremonger yeah, and then get your FDA distro. Records, either one. Damn. Okay. Hit me up. Uh, yeah, you can get shit from me talk about you know music if you if you have questions or sure curious about you know trying distro stuff or whatever yeah that's awesome and bands out there i mean just like those guys uh from that band we've been talking about sent in you know their songs uh you know get a hold of us we would love to check it out if it's something we like uh we'd love to play it and talk about it and tell people you know to go check you out so you know, just get off your lazy backside and get a fucking email sent in <laughs> That's or all Facebook. It and you get it, it right done. there on your backside. Just That's get right. on your phone. Yeah, you could be pooping right now. That's fine. <laughs> and whatever you're doing is fine. Shit mail. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, very good. CK, what the hell do we need to do right now, buddy? We're going to get our mayhem on now. Fuck yeah. Get to the 
How are you surviving the pandemic? All cooped up with nowhere to go? Well, here at Dr. Gein Vagina Maintenance, we understand what sitting on the couch until your ass is numb, watching Netflix for 12 hours can do to your vagina. It turns into a nasty place, a crevice from hell. All that darkness and warmth is just a breeding ground for that nasty stuff that mother told me about. That evil vagina devil that mother warned me to stay far away from. We've got a nice solution for that, ladies. So try some of our special vagina virus butter for those times when that sweaty demon crash is just smelling like low tide at the wharf. Ease our nostrils with that slather of your vagina butter and watch those nasty little vagina devils fly away. <laughs> what the fuck? Jesus. You do that so smooth, though, Cash. Oh so my god! <laughs> oh wow! I think I, you know, I think I missed my calling as a comedy writer, and Joey is a voiceover oh, artist. Right. So. God, dude, so fucking good stuff. Smooth, and we're one hell of a combination <laughs> right. of those. That's some good shit. So we got the uh, Doctor Gein vagina maintenance commercial. Uh, and before that, though, fuck. some fucking Sacred Reich, The American Way, Killer, classic fucking old school metal, man. You got to love it. Yes, so. sir. Yes, sir. It was good to talk to you, CK, about them. And uh, always good to have you on here with us talking about some mayhem. You and Joey still on board with us. So you guys are uh, doing OK? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. good. CK doing good. I'm Wild good. Man Street sounded kind of quiet tonight. Right, right. So. It's quiet. It's quiet so tonight. No I haven't volleyball. Heard any sirens or anything? No volleyball. No, they. I don't even know if they live there, if they live there anymore. Oh wow! Oh, you, you yeah. Pandemic them away. sent their ass back to Ecuador. Well, I, don't, I don't. know. I don't know if because it, it's you know the pandemic or yeah. they just moved. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Well, does anybody have any uh, mayhem stories they want to tell tonight? Gosh, man, I got a little one. Should I leak it? Get it on, dude. Man, y'all know Chris's brother, Michael. Right. Like, the listeners, like, yeah. know a little oh, yeah. bit. The people he, that we around. know definitely know. Yeah. They'd be around. So, <laughs> this is this is really quick, but it's really funny. Because, you know, anybody that knows the Shawbacks know they get drunk. Like, Shawback <laughs> drunk's a real thing. Right. <laughs> um, so, th- this has been no exception for many years. So, whenever Disturbed's first album came out, because they were pretty big from around here, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I originally found their tape in the parking lot, the Dairy Queen, I worked here in Bloomington. Like, that's for real. I found, like, a cassette single of, like, Down With Sickness, something else. Right. And, I mean, if I had that now, it's probably worth fucking money. But, probably. Uh, you know, I probably fucking used probably. it to prop up my table leg or something. Right. But, uh, anyway, so when their first album came out, you know, Michael didn't have a car back then, and I had a car, and they were playing Torrin for this for their first album right and i was gonna get tickets for him and then he didn't come through because he ended up getting so drunk they didn't show up to my house <laughs> so he comes over and he's like man did you get the tickets did you get the tickets and when i told him that i couldn't get them because i didn't have the money i would you know i didn't have money like that back right, then. right right dude he was so black he was wayne that was what we call him he was blacked when out he gets drunk. black out drunk we call him wayne he fucking looked at me and just started bawling he started crying so hard because he couldn't go see disturbed on their first concert oh my God. and he didn't talk to me oh for a God. year and a half he wouldn't talk to me over that shit oh my god yeah. crying about it yeah no he was bawling he fucking went wow. in the bathroom locked oh, the door man. started pounding he was talking about slitting his wrist for not getting to see disturbed bro oh, wow so 
fucking good. <laughs> Damn. Wow. I mean, I know he's digging. So now whenever we joke with him about him, I kind of look out of the corner of my eye. Because I, <laughs> like, you going to be all right? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's good stuff there, man. Anybody Anybody else have any good? I ain't got nothing right now. Dude. Yeah. I, honest, I, don't, I don't have anything right now. All right. Well, very good. That's all right. That was a good one, though. Now, tonight we oh, got a good shit. killer cage match to do. Uh, it's always fun to do these. We uh, have a list of 70 killers that we've come up with, 70 objects. They're kind of crazy. And then 15 variables. And we have the listeners pick some random numbers and then help us out. And uh, yeah, tonight, man. Chris, we've got a good matchup tonight, man. Yeah, once again, we have uh, Mr. Ted Bundy, the, uh, the man that all the women think is beautiful right right <laughs> and then we got uh timothy mcveigh the psycho that wants to blow up a building with a daycare center right so they're going with that and then fuck <laughs> yeah it's gonna be interesting uh, to see those two fight to death in a cage but we got some listeners to thank joey again uh who do we got to thank out there that gave us some random I mean, numbers he keeps on rolling 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 <laughs> he does <laughs> mr cody durst such a a, huge, man. huge fan of our show he is uh nikki judy and also aaron stewart yeah gave the random numbers awesome thank you for providing those guys uh they'll be fighting to the death uh with two objects ck what uh, what do we got tonight a uh, samurai sword and a nail gun with endless nails. Oh. <laughs> and the vari variables, Donald Trump high as hell with a machete. That's fucking wow. dangerous. <laughs> Donald Trump high as hell with a machete. Now, you got to specify Damn. high as hell on what? <laughs> we'll say weed. Right, He's just stoned, right. okay? All right. <laughs> so, yeah, fighting to death. Uh, with a samurai sword, a nail gun with endless nails. That just sound like it fucking hurts. Yeah. And a variable is Donald Trump high as a motherfucker with a machete. Yeah. So I've told them stories before. I've shot myself a nail gun. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, what are you thinking with this one, man? I mean, oh, Bundy and McVeigh. McVeigh so. was a pretty tall dude. Yeah. Plus, he was military. Yeah, right. I'm thinking in a fight, McVeigh is going to just whip his ass. And, yeah, in a straight-up fight, I'll go with McVeigh. But also, I feel like having the military training, if he's got a, ho a fucking nail gun, if he grabs that nail gun with yeah. his nails, and he just... Because, like, you could fucking shoot that thing and hit well, shit. Well, shit, yeah, dude. And if Bundy gets that samurai sword, I think... McVeigh is going to shoot the shit out of him with a nail gun. He's never getting close to him with the fucking samurai sword. Well, Don's going to be sitting over there with that machete, like, <laughs> yeah. come, just not even caring. I'm wondering if high he's going to be so high. Yeah, like, he's just high as hell. Like just glued there, to like, the couch, like he's not getting dude, up. You guys fight it out. I'll figure it out later. I got, yeah. Or what do you think, Joey? Would Trump get up with that machete I mean, and get kind of crazy? You know, the fucking, the flat out answer is on a one-on-one -on -one fight with the two. Of course, I'm going to go with McVeigh, I right. think, over Bundy. But, yeah. Um, Bundy's it, smart, though, yeah, and, and, and wiry. In this circumstance, I think what's going to happen 
is Donald Trump's going to have that blunt rolled up over there. Oh. And, you know, Ted Bundy was all into politics. He, he appreciated that shit, looked up to that. So I think he would be a huge Trumper. Okay. So he would probably go fucking hook up with him somehow. Okay. So between the two of them, one of them's oh. going to end up with either the samurai sword or the nail gun because either one of them is going to fuck you up. Right. right. So then I think between I, the two of them, they're going to take over McVeigh. Yeah, yeah. But one on one, McVeigh's going to whip his ass, I think. Yeah. I, I don't know. CK, what do, what do you think on this one, man? McVeigh gets nail gun and just fucking starts shooting um, Bundy and, and fucking takes care of him. And, and Trump is. He's just going to be sitting there fucking playing with the sword, and t- he's going to take himself out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might cut himself lethally and just bleed out. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, personally, I think McVeigh is definitely going to win this one, just physically a much bigger dude, uh, plus with the military training and the weapons and all that. If Bundy can get a hold of the sword or the nail gun, I think it's a game changer, but I think McVeigh will be physically able to get it either out of his hands or pick it up first. Hell yeah. So it's a good one, though. Uh, always fun to do some uh, killer cage match. Shit, I always yeah, like man. when we do those live. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we get some good discussions going yeah, I can't on wait stage. till Justin comes back again because I like having the guests fucking oh, like, yeah. on the spot. Like, what's yeah. up, man? Yeah. yeah, speaking of Justin, Justin Morris, a listener that was in here uh, the other day when we did the... Uh, uh, Bruiser Brody episode and uh, he was saying he really wanted to come back so uh, we're looking to have him back here in the next couple weeks uh, we'll let you guys know it might be next week or it might be the week after so it's coming up but uh, that's always cool um, and yeah we mentioned you know Stephanie uh, up in Toledo going to Shakers and and that her three sisters were there that is really cool yeah that's awesome um, and you know they're all wearing murder metal mayhem shirts and so thanks for the support ladies Fucking huge support i mean yeah, shakers yeah. shakers is such a cool place i mean bob weiss at shakers does the uh he sponsors the uh, brutal rewinds we've got one coming up on the wood chipper murderer uh richard crafts uh, that's going to be cool. From Connecticut, baby. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> Divorce Connecticut style, that's for sure. Yeah. But we're going to do an update on him, uh, and that's going to be a brutal re- rewind. But those are sponsored by Shakers exclusively. And so, yeah, you can check Shakers out at uh, shakerscigarbar.com, or you can book a tour on uh, hangmantours.com. So, just a great place. They got outdoor seating. They do the outdoor Dahmer tour, so there's nothing wrong with going and doing that. You're not going to be inside if the pandemic is concerning to you. So check it out. Support the cause. And thanks again to Stephanie and her uh, sisters and friends. Who I, I think she said they were sisters, but I'm not 100%. But it was awesome. All four of them up there at Shakers, uh, you know, support Murder Metal right. May. Having a good time. Support Shakers. Yeah. So that's awesome. All right, well, very good, guys. I think we've uh, done plenty of mayhem tonight. Yes, sir. Time to move into some outro.
Hell yeah, man. Some Venom, Dark Knight off their last one. That's that's newer stuff. Certainly sounds a lot better uh, yeah. than the Dude. old black metal <laughs> stuff, which is good shit, but the recording they can, quality. They could have played with shit. Terrible, yeah. It's I pretty saw this, bad. Uh, I saw this meme on one of the reptile pages that I'm on. Yeah. And it says, what's the difference between venom and poison? It says, one's black metal, one's glam metal. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. Well, we, uh, we uh, got bumper music tonight by Sacred Reich, Venom, and Chrysix. Of course, Chris uh, CK's intro music is yeah, by. also by Chrysix. Hell Fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. And Murder Metal Mayhem's intro is by who there, Joey? Uh, Low 12. Fuck yeah. Uh, I actually was listening to the last Low 12 album, which was six. I was jamming. I got that YouTube music app and was checking it out. I haven't heard it for like two years. Right. So I sat, I was had a drive and I was just jamming that whole album and I was thinking, man, this fucking slams. It's kind of a shame that we broke up only a couple of months after it came out because right. we really didn't get a chance to play out the material as much as I would have liked and we would have done the whole thing as in its entirety with intros cool. and stuff oh, like yeah. we did with this side toward enemy. Right, right. So anyway, uh, good times, but uh, I know I get occasionally people from the low 12 days will contact me and ask about reunion shows and that kind of thing. And actually the low 12 episode which we did about uh, you know a few months ago with the feature on John Wayne Gacy, is in our top ten. I think it's number four or five in most listened to episodes. Yeah, that was. It was in January. The hundred. That was the one year. No, that was the right? the, the low twelve cool. episode was a special episode on Gacy, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't the one year it we recorded it in January, but the episode came out early in February. Okay. So. All right. So, yeah, if you missed it, go check it out because a lot of people dig on that. Um, Huge thanks, of course, to our friend Tony Campagna from Spellbound Effects and Art. Amazing shit. Uh, He's a sponsor. Churns out the fucking sickness, man. I mean, everything he does just turns the fucking brutal. Um, He's got one hell of a great online catalog. Chris, you're over there messing with Spike. Yeah, I got to get him from the amazing fucking uh, head on a spike in the middle of our table from Tony. So go check out his Facebook page. This is straight up Vlad the Impaler victim, sort of. It is very much. Chris was saying that he wished that the spike was like. Would you say four inches taller because your ass hits the fucking head when you sit on it? <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what. I don't like it, dude. It sucks. <laughs> so definitely go check out Tony's website and all his six skills, spellboundeffectsandart.com. Check it out today. Thanks, everybody listening. My fucking God, I was looking at the top ten today. We got fucking... Hornsby, South Wales in Australia, and oh, yeah. Lilyhammer, Auckland in Norway in the Lilyhammer, top ten. Lilyhammer, Norway, fucking A, man. And uh, Toronto, uh, Canada, Toronto, Ontario in Canada was in the top ten today. So fucking A. Chicago still tops the list, but we do appreciate everybody that listens. And it's always nice to see new yeah. Uh, people getting in on this. And so. I'm glad that fucking Norway's fucking interesting because awesome. their black metal is fucking oh, hell Norway, yeah, bro. man. Yeah, and they would like the 50th episode because he did yeah. the feature on Mayhem. Yes, so. sir. Dude, All right. Did you see fucking, you know, just real quick on Mayhem because Gormonger here loves sharks. 
fucking lady was killed in Maine dude, by a great I white shark. Yeah, I saw Maine? you posted that. Yeah, today. dude. Whenever I saw, you know, because that's the first fatality by shark in Maine ever. That's funny. And whenever uh, I saw it, I was like. It had to have been a great white because they've been moving up the Atlantic for fucking years now. Right, right, right. And I know you follow sharks, dude. Too. I yeah, follow yeah, sharks. Yeah. A, but B, like I, my my family lives in Maine, like off the islands up there, so that's where I would go like every summer and shit. And I never worried about that shit in Connecticut growing up swimming <laughs> right. in the ocean. Right. I definitely never ever fucking worried about in it Maine. in Maine. Yeah. And now you're just like, nope. Yeah. And then I saw that, but <laughs> I'm like, crazy. Done. Get Done. The fuck never out getting of in the water there again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just, wow. that was yeah, some crazy shit. brutal, man. Yeah. That is definitely fucking brutal. One day we'll like, uh, we could do a special episode just on sharks. On sharks. People yeah. would dig that. I don't oh, know. I'm shark sure they would, shit. dude. Yeah. I'm sure they Shark would. Week. Yeah, yeah fuck yeah. Day, man. That, fuck that's it. a good idea. That is a good idea. Uh, Chris, the first comment there. Uh, we got Greta Van Buren, 64, says, This is my new favorite true crime podcast. I don't listen to a lot of metal, but I think I could be convinced. Hey, Hell yeah. Man, you just get some knowledge. You just got to understand there's grooves to it. Don't worry about what everybody says. Oh, it's just noise. Or you can right. Worry. It's just screaming. And there's different kinds and of metal. And there's different kinds of so, metal. Yeah, exactly. you could go you could old like school. Pick something. Find something. What you do is go listen to listen to CK's metal segments and just listen to a couple of the bands he's talking about. Right, Right. exactly, and check them out, dude. So yeah, for sure. Or his Facebook Live. CK's been doing Facebook Live on Thursdays. What time, Mm -hmm. CK? You doing those now? Six thirty now. Eastern 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 Standard Time. Time. Right. Eastern Standard Time. There you go. All right. What's the next one, Joey? Uh, Darren Mason said, "You guys kill it every fucking week." Well, fucking a thanks nice. man thanks, yeah we do <laughs> thanks, we try Darren. man we try <laughs> ck what about that next one dude metal for life six 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 hell yeah <laughs> commented i love the feature you did on nuclear assault love that new york thrash metal old school fucking fuck a. yeah hell so yeah do I. hell yeah I thought, it was, I thought it was a good feature yeah, yeah i thought Excellent. so too and the last one emily anderson commented i heard you were doing Dahmer." I need to join your Patreon to be able to listen to that, right? And yes, that is exactly right. And the answer is, yes, you do. Yeah, we're going to be doing the Dahmer episode the week of uh, the 18th, and that will be an exclusive Patreon only. That weekend after that, they'll be able to listen. We're going to have the interview with Bob Weiss, John Borowski. It's going to be really awesome, but it is only a Patreon episode. So go support the show, patreon.com slash murder metal mayhem. And we link to this, of course, in the episode description, so you can get it that way. Three bucks a month, you get to join the 666 Club. You get all that new stuff earlier than everybody else, VIP access. It's fucking awesome. And you're going to get to hear the Dahmer episode. And the other ones we're going to do, we're talking about doing this with a few of the other big-name serial killers and even some other topics we've been talking about. So it's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss it. Join the club and uh, be a member. So Join us. That's right. Join, Join us. Join us. Or, or the Slayer thing backwards, Slingjot. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Hot hell awaits. Yes. Well, yeah. Don't forget to check out MurderMetalMayhem.com. Listen to all the episodes. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Go check out the Murder Metal Mayhem YouTube channel. We're going to be doing a new commercial. That's going to be coming out soon. i got some really funny ideas on that, so that'll be good. You can also go to PeteAltieri.com if you want to pick up one of my books. You can get them on Amazon, but if you buy them from me, 
you get them signed and a free poster and bookmark with it. So better off get them from me. But if you want to go to Amazon, you can do it that way. I get like seven cents a copy. So <laughs> I got right. a statement the other day for like four dollars, and Fuck it was it like <laughs> I sold like thirty copies. I'm like, really? That's all. So yeah, you don't get a whole that, lot. That, that, that's one more dollar, and it's a $5 foot long from Subway. That's right. That's right. And that's what I usually eat before the podcast. So there you go. We can't let them go, though, without hearing a karaoke song. Now, due to all the computer drama I went through this weekend, I was not able to record a song. However, I came up with a good one. This is one we used when we did the DC Sniper or one of those road killing, yeah. uh, roaming killer episodes. So crank this shit up. And until next time, keep one foot in the gutter and your fist on a gun spree killing. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again. On the road again. Going places that I've never been. Things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again Like a band of gypsies We go down the highway We're the best of friends Insisting that the world be turning our way And our way Is on the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again my love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again